0: Action! Welcome to Taunt Stubs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and head of podcast at Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk. And
1: Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And
0: we went to the movies this season. We We saw all of Sophia Coppola's films, starting with The Virgin Suicides in 1999, all the way up to The Beguiled in
1: 2017. 2017? That's two years ago now. Yeah, that was two years ago. That's unbelievable. Really? It feels like it was really recently it was released.
0: Well, we only sort of just into 2017 kind of no we're not 2019 i don't even know what bloody year it is who am i you're so beguiled. guy on? On? you forgot what year it is <laughs> i hit my head the other day genuinely <laughs> so a couple of days after michael my boyfriend texted me saying, how's the, the gash on your head and i text back saying what gash he goes you hit your head i was like no i didn't he goes do you remember i was like who are you <laughs> and i just keep doing it as well oh <laughs> god He's just got to a point now where he just sends an emoji as in, like, this conversation needs to stop. Bandaged head. Did you enjoy watching the films back-to-back? Or maybe not back-to-back, but definitely in chronological order.
1: Yeah, I did, actually. I really enjoyed it. It was interesting going on that kind of journey with her, kind of seeing how she maybe developed, maybe where she started to trip up slightly. Mm. It was kind of weird to go to watch her first two films, which are just all-out classics, and then seeing what happens when you've kind of attained that huge success, like Lost in Translation went enormous. Yeah. And um, I watched an interview with her recently where she talked about this kind of, this bubble moment that she had where she could basically do whatever she wanted, which was just after Lost Lost in Translation. Translation. And then she obviously made Marie Antoinette, which kind of knocked her off off her pedestal slightly. But doesn't that that happens quite often. We've spoken about this before, that when a director has
0: such a massive hit... They are always in that position where someone comes along and says, here's a blank check, do what you want. And it usually is the dud in their career, or at least the beginnings of a dud period, because suddenly they have no one saying no. They have no one, not necessarily putting doubts, but they have a lot of yes people around them. So hmm. Nicholas Winding refen made it big with Drive, and he went off and did Only God Forgives, which is fine because... You know, I like it when someone has such a strong voice visually. I like a tour, But that film is very self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. Gus Van Sant made it big with, or, or rather made it more mainstream. Because he was already a big director when he made it big mainstream with um, *Goodwill Hunting. Oh, and yeah. then he went off and did the Psycho remake. Which we covered on the podcast and you can go listen to that episode. I think it's like 61 episode 61 or something that like is towards the end of season 1. I really like his remake, but it is very much a case of why how, how why have you done this? But also, it could only happen when you've just had a smash hit. Sofia Coppola's dud moment is definitely begins with Marie Antoinette.
1: It's just not as strong as her other films and it kind of I think that it's flamboyance and its kind of visual opulence is a great strength, but it kind of didn't really work. It didn't really fit properly with the kind of story that she wants to tell, I think. And it, it, even though I think it's a gorgeous film and it is, it is kind of her reclaiming these kind of feminine images and kind of using them to, her, to kind of her own purpose, I think that the film marketing and all that kind of stuff promised something else that oh, it wasn't co- delivered.
0: Well, I, I just remember the marketing... Back in, back in the day, it was obviously based around The Colour Pink and um, Kirsten Dunst, and it felt very fizzy pop. Yeah. So I, I don't know if what you're saying is completely true, because none of the marketing ever said that this was going to be a, a film with great depth. It's all very on the surface. Mm. And that's what I, I think is the, the the major problem with that film. On the flip side, her film after that, somewhere, was almost... A 180 degree turn because suddenly
1: you had a film that almost nothing happens. <laughs> yeah. Both on the surface and underneath. And it's it's almost like she suddenly feels really kind of vulnerable or uncertain. So whereas she came out with those first two films that felt so sure of themselves and they had such a specific vision. yeah. Um, you then get Marie Antoinette and then you get somewhere and you just find her perhaps drifting. Like she just kind of isn't really sure exactly what people want from her, what she can do next. You know, she's said in interviews that she feels like she's often making the same film over and over again. Yeah, and as
0: in what, the same themes? or Yeah, I think so. I think that's true of any filmmaker.
1: Yeah, every, like every filmmaker has their obsession. Yeah. Like Spielberg's daddy obsessed. Well, it's not know. just daddy
0: obsessed, he's He's divorced obsessed. He's just
1: divorced obsessed, yeah.
0: <laughs> Kubrick always had a fear of uh, people in power and authority. Mm. Every film is about either rebelling against or being completely fucked up by the authoritative power
1: yeah and i think that sophia's films are are kind of this kind of cocktail of female experience outsiders but kind of those lofty outsiders that are kind of not they're unattainable they're kind of living in their own bubble or they're on a pedestal or they're people that you see in magazines or on, on the screen and stuff
0: yeah la people
1: yeah That is her strength. You know, the best thing about somewhere is Cleo, the daughter of the famous guy. All her strength is the the female experience. Maybe Mm. the exception is Bill Murray in Lost in Translation, because that's just a fantastic portrait of a really interesting character. Yes. But she does women fantastically. And they're always complex. They're always interesting, even if they're Marie Antoinette, where it is quite service and you don't necessarily really understand her. That's also kind of the film's point. She is dressed up. She's a creation. She's Mm. not her own person. She's created by French society. So there is that going on as well. So I think it's great that we have someone like Sophia Coppola working in the industry, making these films, kind of giving voice to these women especially, that you wouldn't necessarily see in other films.
0: Is that what you read into The Bling Ring as well?
1: What, about female characters?
0: Yeah, but the empowering nature of that
1: is it empowering? I don't know. It's kind of, isn't that more of a wonky where things go wrong? You know, young women today, what are their priorities? How are we corrupting them? How is society corrupting them? How are they corrupting each other? It's like, she's taken the teens of virgin suicides and she's, she's gone forward in time to kind of what was present day, Mm -hmm. 2013, I think it was. Um, and just looking at where teenagers are today and especially teenage girls and it's such a different perspective on young women and it was that's what that was such a great strength of bling ring was these girls that you you know see i guess you see them in high school you see them kind of shopping you know they look so glamorous and like they they want to be celebrities but what's the cost and what are they actually like and what are they really doing with themselves and as a film, it was a return to form, in my opinion. Massively. Yeah, massively. It was, yeah, I, I hadn't seen it. And watching it after watching somewhere, it was just like, oh. <laughs> you She's just, back. You could breathe. <laughs> well, so you really genuinely felt like Sophia is back. Yeah. It, I've, yeah, Because
0: it felt relevant. And it, weirdly, yeah. it still feels relevant, even though it was made X amount of years ago and set X amount of years before then. It's probably set about 10 years from now. Sorry, 10 years ago from now. Yeah. But it still feels relevant now. We're still dealing with that same online presence, wanting to be famous because the idea of being famous is the, the attractive thing. Not the, I want to be a great singer. Not that I want to write the great American novel or I want to make the best film ever. It's, I want to be famous. I want to be the Kardashians.
1: Yeah. Which is just this really, it's like this poison within popular culture. Yeah. It's just, it's all tied in together. You know the Instagram culture, which is what obviously the girls in Bling Ring use to their advantage. They use, no, Facebook. They use Facebook. Yeah, yeah, they use that social media. It's even, well, it's pre-Instagram. Kind of, yeah, exactly. It's Pre-Twitter. Actually, talking about Instagram, I read something really interesting um, related to Sophia Coppola on Vanity Fair. I was doing a bit of research. Mm-hmm. And How Vanity Fair of you. Oh, I know. Just because I was just thinking, well, where are we now with Sophia Coppola and kind Did of? Did you take the survey? Find ten ways which you can please your man. No, I did the survey, which Sophia Coppola film are you? Doing? And
0: what did you come out as? A very merry Christmas.
1: <laughs> uh, but Vanity Fair did this article that was talking about the most influential people in the last kind of 10, 20 years. So the people who are um, most influential within our millennium. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Within, blah. Our, ge-
0: within our generation or yeah, within the last
1: 20 years? Well, within our generation, I think. Okay, um, and they talked about Sophia Coppola in relation to Instagram, which I found was really interesting.
0: What did she do on Instagram?
1: She didn't do anything with Instagram, but they say <laughs> that she predicted, and I think this is actually true. She predicted that filtered look that people love on Instagram um, with the bling ring, with that with Virgin Suicides. They oh, it's like, in the hazy look. I see what you mean. Yeah, right, yeah, that kind of sepia. You know when you put a filter on your photos and it magically makes them look... Well, I'm sure you don't, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I don't have any good-looking photos. <laughs> and that's the problem. They, um, Vanity Fair wrote that her films have a filtered glow, languid but alive, and they say that she kind of predicted the way that... Like, the, the aesthetic yeah. that we would love, that Instagram loves. So that Instagram is built on basically the aesthetic of version suicide.
0: Yeah, when Instagram first hit a lot of the inbuilt filters the adjustments would make your images look like they were shot on old kodak film yeah or old polaroid films which is kind of what um the virgin suicide taps into because it's meant to replicate i guess how the 70s looks mm. to us now because all we see is old photos of the 70s inverted commas the look of the 70s so yeah i can i can completely believe that they would they would join those two dots mm. that makes complete sense to me it's a shame that she would then go on to do the beguiled is that a shame i think it's a dud i think it's a step in the wrong direction
1: i don't know if i agree i i feel like i i feel more kind of enamored of the beguiled weirdly after having watched it a few weeks ago and just like thinking about it now and there were so many things i did actually quite like about it it's not perfect mm. And I do wish that it had hit certain beats harder and kind of it was just an overall stronger film. But thinking about it now, I just feel like it was still an interesting thing for her to do. And it has a fantastic cast with some great performances. And I love the look that she created that kind of swampy misty oh i love the look yeah but
0: it's weird because i I remember on the episode i said that i I think i appreciate the film more right now that i've seen it a second time and discussed it um but now weeks after i think it's been a month since we recorded that episode actually Mm. i i think my brain has reverted back to how i felt before oh really yeah it's a bizarre it's a really bizarre thing because it's not a film that i think that stays with you in the good way you feel like you want to have a wash afterwards it's
1: pretty grubby
0: <laughs> it, it just reminds me years ago i saw death proof yeah quentin tarantino's half of the grindhouse thing with robert rodriguez and i remember going to see it a second time and i remember thinking this film is absolute shit this film is terrible <laughs> i remember it being so much better and then after I saw it the second time, I still thought it was good because I remember it being a lot better. <laughs> so you it's brainwashed bizarre. yourself. Yeah, no, it's just, it's a bizarre thing. This is almost like the opposite. Huh. You kind of... You, like, you, I appreciate it more, but then I still feel it's not good. You just don't want to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's not one I would
1: genuinely put on. Yeah, I think I would watch it again. Um, just to kind of, I don't know, just to see how I feel about it a second time around because I always feel different about films a second time around.
0: Yeah. Any consistent traits throughout her films that just keep getting repeated time and time again that you've identified?
1: Ooh, yeah, because I I sent you that. Did you get that link that I sent you? Oh, about the windows? Yeah. Yeah, I noticed the windows, yeah. yeah, yeah. But is that just a film thing in general where you have the camera outside of a car looking through a window at a character? Maybe, but she seems to do it... Because of the reflection on the window, it seems to become like a dreamy inbuilt filter yeah. on the character. And she does it basically in every single film, apart from maybe the beguiled, because there's not really any driving in it. But in every... no
0: driving, but you can have people looking, looking out windows. Window. Oh, well, Kirsten Dunst looks out the window at uh, Colin yeah. Farrell when he's washing his hair. Yeah. He's just emailed me about his new <laughs> Timote. Be sure to use the, Chalamet. Chalamet. <laughs> use the offer code. Use the offer code. Colin, to get 10% off. (laughs) Hashtag Colin. Hashtag Colin. There's also the idea of ethereal girls, blonde girls, moving through the scene like ghosts, like spirits.
1: Yeah, like inscrutable young women Hmm. who have secrets or do that you don't know. So that's in The Virgin Suicides and
0: then in The Beguiled.
1: Yeah. Um, What else has she got? I mean, obviously, the the cult of the celebrity, the cult of... um, you know, what happens when you become famous? Well, that's... Yeah, that's in Lost in Translation. Oh, I suppose
0: The Virgin Suicide is about that in, in a way. Those girls have a celebrity status within the confines
1: of that yeah. small sort of town. and obviously Somewhere is about a famous guy. Yeah. The Bling Ring is about idolising famous people. Yeah. And then actually... Robbing them. <laughs>
0: and Marie Antoinette was the most famous oh. French celebrity of her time. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then The Beguiled
1: is not about celebrities at all. <laughs> no, that's a real, that is, that is definitely a real break from her kind of film. But I think because it is still about young women, it kind of fits in her oeuvre, as well, you think, say. I
0: think the, the overriding theme, apart from hipster songs that I've never heard of, and muted colours, because that seems to be a thing in her in her world. The, the most connected, overriding thing is they all seem Kirsten to be... And well, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's Kirsten Dunst. They all seem to be about people trapped in a certain environment. And the characters are more or less unhappy with that. Oh, yeah. But they don't know how to break out. That's prevalent right from The Virgin Suicides. Lost in the Translation is that yeah. up front. It's not even in. It's not even buried deep. It, it that is what that film is about. Marie Antoinette is trapped, but she doesn't even know it. She doesn't yeah. know that she she can't go out because she doesn't know there's much else outside of the confines of her 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 ruling land. Yeah, somewhere is definitely about that. The Ring Bling again. The Bling ring. like oh, I always get it wrong. <laughs> her fifth film. Oh. <laughs> The fifth film by Sofia Coppola is is about that. They feel they are trapped in a lower subsection of society when, in fact, they're incredibly privileged, those kids. They just want to be Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton and yada, yada, yada. And then the beguiled, again, it's, it's like the Virgin Suicides. They are completely trapped within the confines of those gates. We never see any of them leave the gates, do we? No.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't... I don't think I've actually seen her really talk about that—that that kind of thing about characters who are trapped. I don't think I've read any interviews where she talks about that. So is she aware that? I mean, she must be aware that she's done, made—you know—all her films are about that theme.
0: I don't know. I mean, are you—are you aware of the overriding themes in your work? And, and I'm not just talking about mm. witches and mystical things and kick-ass teenagers and yeah. this, that, and the other. But oh, you know, the... I'm hugely
1: aware of my. Like, they just surface without me really being aware, aware of them. Well, obviously, motherhood is a huge one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I noticed and... that
0: from your first book when yeah. I realized that the parents were dead. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is Joshua dealing with the death of his mother. <laughs> Page five. But, that,
1: but that's not... That actually, I wrote that stuff, the first book, before my mum died. Yes. Yeah.
0: Because so, I had a copy of the book years ago before early. your mum died.
1: That was just a... That was a gambit. That's like a, a typical YA gambit, which is get the parents out of the way as quickly as possible. Yes. Um, which... Is I'm it a typical interested.
0: YA... G- young adult, by the way. Young mm. adult. Is
1: that a, a typical young adult gambit because of Harry Potter or did that come from other stuff? Oh, everything is... Loads of things have done it. Like, get rid of the parents in any way you can. Like, Narnia was them escaping into a... Oh, and, well, it was the wars. The, the parents weren't around anyway. Oh, they weren't dead, yeah. Um, but they weren't dead. Oh, and um
0: so, the... The fucking peach boy, Roald Dahl, what's his name? Yeah, everything in Roald Dahl. James, James, James and the giant peach. Yeah. Yeah. The parents were eaten by a hippo, weren't they? (laughs) I don't know. I think they were eaten by a hippo in the street. I think the animals escaped from
1: London Zoo and then, boom, out shopping, and they're like, "Oh, oh, I've been eaten by a hippo. Yeah. I think that it would be, it's the lazy reading of Sophia Coppola's themes is privilege, I think. And a lot of people kind of condemn her for hashtag being too privileged. And she's aware of She kind of of is a little, let's be
0: honest. She comes from a a place of Hollywood royalty. So, clearly she, I mean, she's friends with Paris Hilton, who is the idolised ruling class in The Bling Ring. Yeah. Got it right that time.
1: That's such a weird thing, though. She's friends with Paris Hilton, and yet she's kind of condemning the cult of Paris Hilton at the same time. The cult of Paris Hilton, I
0: guess was more created by the media's reaction to her Mm. rather than anything she did. Paris Hilton's clearly a clever girl. She obviously said, well, they're seeing me in a certain way. Let me create a brand around that. Let me make my own millions.
1: Yeah. Did you ever watch that show that she did, A Simple Life? With Lionel Richie's daughter? Yeah, with Nicole When they go
0: across America and do lots of crazy stuff? Yeah. No, I didn't watch it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that should be Sophia Coppola's next film is kind of a reality-style thing like that, where she's got young girls as reality TV stars. It wouldn't be as stylish.
0: <laughs> no, that's true. It's not it stylish would be enough. really haphazard. Yeah. And she's not always... I mean, we haven't spoken about A Very Murray Christmas on here.
1: Which I love. I, I watch that every Christmas. Really?
0: I really like I it. I try to watch it. I think after we'd done the films, because I thought maybe we could discuss it on the podcast. I got 10 minutes in. I was like, I'm not watching this. This is, this is badly. Well, it's not Christmas for a start. No. And is it, it's not really a film. It's more of an entertainment special.
1: Yeah. It's not a film in any way. It's, it's kind of a lot of, um, like set pieces. It's kind of musical set pieces. Mm. So I, I, I'll admit, I watch it while wrapping presents. Oh, so you're so not watching it. I'm watching, not, it. Like, watching It's it like screensaver rude. in the background. It's like, oh, someone's singing. Oh, it's Maya Rudolph. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome.
0: I like Maya Rudolph. Yeah. In a movie climate that is increasingly dominated by franchises and remakes and superhero world-building films, what's going to happen to filmmakers like Sofia Coppola, those, those filmmakers who don't really... Fit into the super mainstream, but they're not super duper indie. Those those middle directors. What's going to happen to them? Where's a place for their stuff
1: to go? Uh, art house cinemas, I guess. My like, art house art house cinemas will always play the latest Sophia Coppola film, but increasingly, that
0: doesn't seem to be the overriding case. It doesn't seem to be financially viable to put something into, mm. you know, to. To spend x amount of money on a on a, on a film on the budget and then to put it into a lower x amount of number um, cinemas, just to have it be completely smashed aside by the new Avengers or something like Captain Marvel.
1: Yeah, I think that maybe it is streaming because she's her next film will be for Apple TV. Oh really? Yeah, her next film's with Bull uh, Bul, is with with Bill Murray. What film is um, it? It's called On the Rocks. And it's Bill Murray starring with Rashida Jones. And it's Who's about... That? Rashida Jones, she's she's a comedian. She was in, I think she was in Parks and Rec. Was she? Was she in Community? She's, she's like a, a funny actress. One of
0: those comedies. Yeah.
1: She's the one um, who she was writing Toy Story 4. And then the whole John Lasseter thing happened and she left oh, Pixar. She did an Emma Thompson. Um, yes. But she's in Sofia Coppola's new film. And I think she's playing a young mother who, I mean, the official thing on the internet says that she reconnects with her playboy father. I'm assuming that's Bill Murray.
0: Or is it the other way around?
1: Oh. Oh. So that's going to be an Apple Apple streaming
0: they've, thing. So I guess if, if they've announced that Sofia Coppola is doing that, then this mm. Apple streaming thing is happening
1: well it looks like they're doing stuff with steven spielberg reese witherspoon jennifer aniston like they've got some big names oh, wow. because i guess it's apple and yes it's you know apples everywhere yeah so maybe it's i mean putting films into cinemas is expensive Yeah. marketing films that are in cinemas is expensive so streaming where you've got that inbuilt audience like when a new thing lands on netflix they can advertise to you for free on they can, yeah. I get
0: um, WhatsApp texts from them.
1: From Netflix. Yeah, telling me that how the irritating. New film. I know. It's, I get, just, it's bizarre. I get pretty much a daily email, and every single time I look at it, it's like, yes, I know that's already on my watch list. <laughs> I've already watched it. Thanks. Yeah.
0: I think I think genuinely streaming is the way that things are gonna go, but it's I'm at two minds about it. One it's great because young filmmakers, new filmmakers, um not necessarily young in age, but young in career, are going to have a platform for their work to reach the biggest audience possible. You don't have to convince people to get up, go to that little cinema that's just a little bit out of the way because it's an art house cinema, sit in probably reasonably uncomfortable seats, pay over for a film that they might or might not like. If it's included in Netflix, Netflix seems to pay over and above for things because they don't do back-end deals, Mm -hmm. which is great for people who need the money up front now. Um, but also, people
1: can just, at a click of the finger, watch the film. There's so many films that I've watched on Netflix, like Dumplin' and stuff like that, that I wouldn't have gone to the cinema to watch. But because it's there, and you can literally just click on it, you watch it. But the bad side of that is,
0: there really is an experience of seeing a film at the cinema which elevates it ever so slightly. Mm. I got halfway through Roma, switched off if I was in the cinema I would have watched the whole thing yeah true um things like The Dirt the new Motley Crue biopic feels like a tv film if it was in the cinema it would just feel like a bad film (laughs) yeah but there is a difference and I kind of see where Spielberg is coming from and I'm a bit surprised that he's going over to Apple and doing the work with them because he's saying films on streaming services like Roma or like um, stuff on Netflix and, and Amazon shouldn't be up for Oscars because they're not cinema films, they're TV movies. Yeah, so is he now just going to be relegating himself to TV movie land? Is it is it even con- should be considered that people like Sofia Coppola are relegating themselves because mm-hmm. that has negative connotations?
1: Yeah, well, st- I think Spielberg's doing a TV project, so I assume that means a, a TV show, right? Which I see, he, he obviously has done before, he's done before, yeah, but since I, yeah, the I 80s. know. I don't know if it's like relegating them to streaming. I don't really know. And especially someone like... It is surprising that Sofia Coppola is going to streaming because she is this voice in kind of cinema. Yeah. And you kind of want her in cinemas because without her in cinemas, it's kind of like, well, that's now had such a huge impact on, you know, diversity of voices within mainstream cinema. To a degree, yeah. Let's not
0: forget that her films are always about white people and she never... True. I can't... Apart from some Asian people in Lost in Translation yeah. and the Asian girl in The Bling Ring, yeah. I can't think Ooh, of a she single...
1: Sorry? She was Asian American. So yes, kind of...
0: but I still can't think of a single person of colour in any of her films.
1: No, there aren't. I know. And that's
0: a real shame. That's a real downer for me when it comes to her. Her, her outlook on life, and it's strange because her her family are she's a a third second or third generation immigrant.
1: Hmm. I don't really know how it works for kind of filmmakers when they're trying to cast their films and stuff like how much thought goes into kind of the color of the the supporting cast skin and I had a very I interesting
0: conversation with an actor um which was on my other podcast, Shoot First Thought Later, with um, Fizayo akiade He was Dean, uh, the black character in Cucumber. Oh, yeah. Um, and he said that when he got the script from Russell T Davis, it said Dean 19, black. Mm. Other characters, name, age, ethnic- ethnicity, mm. colour of skin. Um, he said it starts with the writers, it starts with the creators, it starts with people saying, well, we don't always have to default to white. We can go, well, this person is a doctor, this person drives a car, this person is a movie star. What is it about them that says they have to be white? Yeah. If you're writing just a general everyman character, if you make them white, they're not an everyman character. (laughs) Like, does Tom Cruise always have to be the everyman? Yeah. Or in all those films that Tom Cruise has been in, War of the Worlds, Could have been Denzel Washington. Could have been anyone. Could have been Jackie Chan. There's nothing about that character that says he is white. It's not the white story. It's Mm. just a default. I think the default needs to be reset. I think Sophia Coppola needs to look at what she's doing and realise, yes, she's great for female voices in cinema, but she's not great for diversity.
1: Yeah. I wonder if it just opens a whole can of worms, though, because she wrote... Uh, Bob in Lost in Translation for Bill Murray she wrote um, what's his name Thingy in somewhere for Stephen Dorff and then then you get into if she's writing a a black main character specifically Mm -hmm. you know then it gets into this whole kind of how dare she write a black character when she has no experience of that you know but she's not necessarily
0: writing the black story because there's a difference between having a
1: black character and
0: then having a black character in the film about the black story. Yeah. You know, Steve McQueen, absolutely the best choice for 12 Years a Slave. Possibly a a um, white director would not have fully understood what that film was about. Jordan Peele with Get Out. I might not particularly like Get Out as a horror film, but as a social commentary film, it absolutely had to be made by a black person because they understood, from a personal point of view, the... The story of the black American in modern USA.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just because a character's black, they don't have to represent all black people. Same with gays. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to have, you know, if a lesbian is in a TV show or a film, they don't have to represent everyone in the LGBTQ community. Mm. A straight person in a, char- in a straight character in a film doesn't, it doesn't even come into it. They don't say, this character represents, Every single straight person, it's just a character, and the default is, they are white. Let's see how closely you were paying attention to the films. I've got a quiz for you. Oh, come on. (laughs) All right. So, one question per film. Okay. What is the name of the first Lux sister to die in the Virgin Suicides? Oh, man. Do you remember how she died?
1: I can picture her. Yeah, she's... Or she's blonde. (laughs) <laughs> your yeah. white blonde girl <laughs> she was the 13 year old who ended up impaled on the railings yes and I have no idea I want to say grace like I've... Cecilia uh, Cecilia you're breaking my, my heart my railings shaking, shaking my confidence do you
0: remember the Suggs cover version of that
1: that's what I'm thinking of
0: oh it was originally Garfunkel uh, and Simon, oh yeah of course his it was name is. Simon the Garfunkel yeah and then um, Suggs did the re Make a, a cover version, but with like
1: a like a reggae <laughs> rap bit in the middle. Yeah, I remember because it was on like now, that's what I call music 29. 29. <laughs> <laughs> I think it actually was. <laughs>
0: um, in Lost in Translation, what drink does the lounge singer order in the scene before she sleeps with Bob?
1: Oh, I hate quizzes like this. <laughs> oh, I'm so bad at quizzes.
0: No, we did well when we went to that quiz. Just before Christmas. We came second, didn't we?
1: Yeah. And I won the DVD. And then I went to a horror one. And it was really, it was like Annihilation. It was awful. Oh, shit. It was so difficult. Um, No, I have no idea. Like something red? I have no idea. She just leans
0: in and goes... Champagne. Oh. It always stuck in my mind from the very first time I saw it. I thought, oh, right. How lardy da I hate champagne, so I probably have ejected that from my head. Well, it's probably good champagne. It's not the cheap shit that you buy from Tesco's. In Marie Who do you Antoinette. I am? <laughs> <laughs> in Marie Antoinette. Cake.
1: it! No. In Marie
0: Antoinette, what age did she become queen? 14. No, she was married at 14. Um, oh, 17. I'm sorry, your answer has to be in the form of a question. (laughs) 19.
1: Oh, okay. That's older than I thought. In
0: Somewhere... Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, In Somewhere, the most boring film of hers, what car is Johnny driving in the opening
1: and closing scenes? A Ferrari. What colour? Black. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Probably because I have that written in my notes somewhere, so it's kind of... I've got it. Embedded in your head. Yeah, exactly.
0: In the ring bling. No. No, in the bling ring. Yes. Nikki, played by Hermione herself, Emma Watson. Emma Watson? Yeah. Yeah. Mentions her jail cell was next to whose? Oh, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Yes. In the beguiled. What was the point of the film? In the (laughs) beguiled. (laughs) What colour rag did Nicole Kidman's character say they should tie to the gate? Blue. Yes.
1: Yay! So half and half. Was it?
0: Yeah. I don't think you got... I see. got the last three. You can get that one right, that one right. You got...
1: Uh, yes. 50. Yeah. 50%. That's 50%. Yeah. I mean, that's a yeah. fail by anyone's standard. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well... In a, in a, if I was at university, that would be a 2-1.
0: No, it wouldn't. It two, would be a 2-2. It would not. It would be a see us next year for <laughs> your retake. 50%. Yeah. You think a... 70% is a first. No, it is not. Sixty percent is a seventy percent is not a first. Yes, it is. So you can you can slack off thirty percent and still get a first. Yeah. What did you get? I got. a What did you get? I got a two-one. I got a two-one. Then you didn't even know what score you got though. It says two, <laughs> the two little dots, one above the other, one. I <laughs> uh. <laughs> think it means three. I got three. <laughs> <laughs> two
1: times one, yeah, maybe actually two, two to the power of one. So that would yeah. be five. Two to the power.
0: So that was series two. That was all of Sophia Coppola's films. So far. We will be back so far, yes indeed. We will be back for season three Wait soon.
1: That is Sophia Safar. So
0: oh. oh he's a writer. <laughs> we'll be back for season three very soon. We will be watching all of Xavier Dolan's films so far. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, ACast, and tune in. You now have the opportunity to go and binge all of season one and season two while you wait for us to return. Also, while you're there, check out our sister podcast, Track by Track: The Trash Music Podcast. That's where Dan and Will they will discuss various musical albums, literally track by track. And that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and TuneIn.
1: We are everywhere. We are. We're also on Twitter, aren't we, Joshua? We are. We're at Torn Stubbs Pod. Um, So yeah, give us a tweet. Let us know what you thought about Sofia Coppola's oeuvre, as they say. We're off to find Bill Murray.
0: Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. Cut.